If you're newer to this church, you might not know um, my background before the Lord called me into being a pastor, but um, before I, I stepped into this role, um, about four years ago, almost four years ago, as of November 1st, I was a construction project manager for about 15 years. It's what I went to school for at the greatest university in the world, Oregon State. And um, uh, <laughs> not yesterday, or not last night, though. <laughs> it's so tough being a Beaver fan, but <laughs> tried and true, I am there. Um, no, <laughs> not go Ducks. Who won the Civil War last year? Oh, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, back to what I was saying. Um, yeah, I was a construction project man- manager. So basically what I did was I oversaw construction projects, like managed contractors and made sure they were building it correctly and such. And um, I did it for a couple of years in the private sector. And then I worked ma- most of the time for ODOT managing their transportation projects. And one of the things that I learned in project management, or a couple of things I should say, is that, number one, the nature of your conversation And number two, who you're talking to both have a great impact on whether you're going to be successful in managing the project or what you're trying to accomplish. Um, When it comes to getting contractors to do the job they're being paid to, it really doesn't matter at all what you would like them to see. It only matters what the contract actually says. So the contract always has to be at the center or of any conversation. That has to be the nature of the conversation you're talking about. Otherwise, they could care less because that's what they bid. So that's what you're trying to get them to build. And then there isn't a lot of point, or there isn't a point at all, really, in talking to anyone uh, that's out there actually doing the work, kind of the, the the hired hands or the field workers, because basically you can go talk to them and tell them what you want them to be doing, but ultimately the response you're going to get is go talk to the boss because they're doing what they're being told. So you have to go straight to like the superintendents to talk to them if, when you want to see certain things happening that aren't happening as a part of the contractor, right? And I found that that job correlated really well with our um, commission or what Jesus has told us to do. Like in what made me successful as a project manager, also in this commission, Jesus has given us to take the gospel to all ends of the earth or tell people the good news about Jesus Christ, because the nature of our conversation, number one, and number two, who we're talking to can have a real impact on whether the people you're talking to in that commission are going to believe what you have to say, or it's going to have an effect on your success at sharing Jesus with people, all right? And in Acts 14, we're going to see a great example of those two things, or two things that the believers did that correlate to those two things I just pointed out as far as like your na- the nature of their conversation being important, who they're talking to being important, as far as them being successful at sharing the good news of Jesus. So obviously, we all want to be successful at sharing the gospel with people, right? And when I define success, them believing it is on them, but we want to see people saved. We want to see people have the same joy and peace in everything else that we've experienced through Jesus in their lives, right? That's why we're still here. Otherwise, we're, we want to be in heaven, all right? So... But that's what we want. And so let me give you an outline for this chapter. We're moving on to Acts 14. If you guys have been tracking with us, we're going through the book of Acts. So let me give you an outline for this chapter so you can consider it as we go through it. And and the first, we're going to do just the first 18 verses today. So I'm going to give you the outline for that with the two principles that we're going to focus on. So verses 1 through 7, write this down. Our mission never changes. All right? 
Verses 1 through 7, our mission never changes. That's the first principle we'll, we'll get on talk about. And then verses 8 through 18, share the gospel with anyone and everyone. All right? Verses 8 through 18, share the gospel with anyone and everyone. So let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the first 18 verses today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we just come here today, and we're ready to hear from you. We're not here to hear from a man. We know this book is like none other in that, uh, as, it's, as your word says, it's, it's, it's powerful and alive. It's, it's, you're constantly working through it to save people, to change, the, change us for the better. It's active, as your word says. And so we want to be ready for you to do that active work in us. We don't want to come here and be distracted by things that we're doing later today or being hungry or just our minds being somewhere else. We want to give you our full attention, Lord, because we know that the things that we learn here today have an eternal impact on our lives. It's part of that preparing us for that eternal weight of glory that we're going to experience when we're with you in, in heaven. So we don't want to miss out on any of that, Lord. So just prepare us, Lord, for whatever it is that you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we finished up Acts 13. We left off with seeing Paul and Barnabas, if you weren't here, having, having to leave Antioch, not the Antioch they were sent out from, but Antioch kind of in the region of modern-day Turkey. They're on their first missionary journey. And they have to leave there because they're facing extreme persecution, but not before a church is born born in that area of Galatia from them simply going around and using the word of God to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ. And today we're going to see what happens as they continue on this mission trip. And they go to a place um, called Iconium. Starting in verse 1, Acts 14, it says, Now at Iconium... They entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. So we see Paul and Barnabas basically do the same thing that we've been seeing them do on this whole entire missionary journey. They go to a synagogue first. Again, the synagogue is where the Jews would gather because the Jews of all people should have known the Old Testament that spoke of Jesus and understood what they were saying. So they go and they hit these people up first. And it says they speak in such a way, which must have been using the word of God to share the good news of Jesus with both the Jews and the Gentiles there because the same results happened as what happened in Antioch when they did that. As it says, a great number of people, both Jews and Gentiles, got saved or believed at in Jesus, at them preaching the word of God to these people. But also similar to what happened in Antioch, not everyone receives the gospel. Some people reject it. Some people choose not to believe. And it says in verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So those that didn't believe, they didn't just not believe for themselves, but they took it upon themselves to start influencing or trying to influence the rest of the people um, into not listening to what Paul and Barnabas were saying. Um, basically, it says by poisoning their minds against them, or basically the idea is that they were saying bad things. They were like um, trying to make them look um, uh, or trying to get them to um, basically judge their credibility or, or like talking badly about them or saying these guys aren't qualified 
to, for what they're saying or what they're talking about is foolish. Just trying to say whatever they could to poison these guys' minds from believing what they were saying. But in this instance, Paul and Barnabas endure this persecution, as it says in verse 3. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So in the face of this persecution, they don't, top, they don't stop telling people about Jesus, and they don't go away from what they've been doing all along. They just keep preaching the word of the gospel of grace. Remember, these Jews were uh, caught up into legalism. Okay, So they were all about, you have to follow this, you have to follow the law, you have to do this to be saved. And like we talked about a couple of weeks ago in talking about grace, there is no way you can do enough things to be right in God's eyes. You, God doesn't work on like a, a curvature or a curve. He doesn't say, oh, if you do more good things than bad things, if you do one bad thing, then you're guilty of evil. And he is a perfect right God. And he can't be in the presence of evil. So if you're guilty of any sin, that sin's got to be dealt with justly, okay? And God has to deal with it. He's a just God. He can't like sweep it under the rug. And it was dealt with through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross because he was sinless. So he took all the sins of mankind upon himself and died on that cross so that through faith in him, like receiving that gift of salvation, receiving that gift of forgiveness, you can be saved. You can be forgiven of your sin, okay? So that's what they're preaching to these people. And it says in verse 3, they did this for a long time, okay? So not just a short time because they're not satisfied with just people getting saved, they want to disciple. They want to equip. They want to keep teaching these people the God's word, these new believers, because they know one day they're going to have to leave. And they want them to have a firm foundation, the same thing we do at this church. We want you guys to have a firm foundation in the word of God so that you're not dependent on anyone else for growing in your relationship with him. You realize it's a A and B relationship between you and God, and you are able to grow in that constantly at your at your discretion i always tell people you can have as much jesus as you want he's not going to withhold anything from him and he's quite big so it, the more you seek him the more you're going to find him the more you're in his word the more you're going to he's going to reveal himself to you the more you're in prayer the more he's going to reveal his will for you the, the closer you are to him the closer he's going to be to you and so they're staying with these guys and they're discipling them and they're equipping them so that they're mature in their faith and god makes it clear that paul and barnabas are speaking on their behalf because it says here that he did signs and wonders by or, or by their hands or through them so that people would understand that, hey, these guys are truly speaking on behalf of the true God, right? They were, basically, things were being done so that people would say, there's no way these guys are doing this stuff. Only God could do this. We better listen to what they're saying because they're really speaking the truth of God's word, okay? That was the whole point of the signs and wonders, to verify what they were saying was actually truth from God and that people should listen to it. And it says in verse four, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. So this gossiping and, and the rumors that the Jews were speaking against Paul and Barnabas led to a division in the city with some people being for Paul and Barnabas and some people being against them. And this is one of the things that talking badly about people, whether that's gossiping, criticizing, you know, just, you know, a lot of things fall into that. But this is one of the things it creates in this world. It creates division, right? 
you shouldn't have to look any further than politics to see the hatred and the division that's between different political parties from talking badly about each other, okay? Now, whereas that is a normal and expected thing in this world, I'm going to tell you right here, God makes it very clear that is not a normal thing and it should not exist in God's church. Now, it does because we're fallen people. We still mess up. But nevertheless, God does not want that amongst his people in, in his church. Paul addresses this very thing in Titus three ten through 11. He says, if people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. And after that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. So God's clear all through the New Testament that he wants unity amongst his people, amongst his children in his church, okay? And so speaking badly of somebody, that's the opposite of unity. That's being divided. You're not for them. You're against them, all right? And that's what he's talking about there in uh, Titus 3.11 where he says they've turned away from the truth because you're not following the truth if you're talking badly about people. And as somebody that's been in leadership in God's church for several years, I can honestly say people gossiping and murmuring about each other is what the enemy uses so often to try to cause damage and division in God's church. Just as a matter of fact, how many of you guys have experienced that with other believers? And this is, I mean, you've, you've, you've experienced being at the end of somebody saying something that was, you know, not nice or critical or gossip. I've been at the end of that with other believers and maybe I'm the only one. Okay. Well, I hear about a lot about it. So all that to say is, it, you know, as you, you're privy to a lot of things that you'd rather not be, but as God's leadership, you know, you are. And so it, it, just trust me in saying there's a lot of that, a lot more than you'd like to see. And, and it's through something, it doesn't get talked about a lot, you know, like some, there's some things we focus on, some sins that we're really hard on. But when it comes to talking badly about people, we don't, I don't think we talk about it enough because it does a lot of damage. And so it's something that we have to be really mindful of. Again, in not, in being those that not speak badly of others. And then also this can be the harder thing is not taking part in conversations when people are speaking badly. You know, removing yourself from those situations. Like Paul's saying, I mean, he says, take it so seriously that if you've tried to help a brother or sister that's doing this and you've warned them a couple times, he's like, and they're not listening, break fellowship. Like remove yourself from that relationship because that is not his intent for his church. It is not healthy for you or for them. But here's the thing. We talked about this a couple weeks. If you truly understand grace, if you truly are living in this truth, that you're not saved because of anything you do. You're not some super Christian because you follow these these principles and somebody else doesn't. If you truly understand that, there's nothing you can do to make yourself any more righteous in God's eyes than how he's already made you through faith in Jesus, then you truly will be able to look at your brothers and sisters in the correct way. And it won't be thinking that you're better than anyone else, right? Because we're as right as we could ever be Every single one of us that placed our faith in Jesus because of the blood of Jesus. And prior to believing in Jesus, you, we were all as wretched as we could ever be. There wasn't like some, oh yeah, Matt's more wretched than me. No, we're all just wretched. As bad as we could ever be. So when you want, that's the importance of understanding grace. That's one of the reasons, like I talked about, because it helps you look at each other correctly. Instead of with criticalness or judgment or anything, it, it's just like, oh my, 
man, they're a walking miracle like I am. God bless them. Look at, look at that. I see God's power in their life just like in my life. All right? And that's why it's important because it'll help you avoid this, okay? And, and it'll help you look at, you know, people through God's eyes right with the compassion that he has. And God's desire is that we as his people aren't those that try to tear down what he's building, but build each other up. Help be a part of that encouragement, that edifying, that building process of, of being the family of God with him at the center. Amen? So that's an important word because, again, it does damage here. It does damage in God's church. Like I said, this is one of the attractive things of being a Christian in that out in the world, that's a normal thing. But in here, when people see, whoa, they're getting along. They aren't people that are like critical or, or gossiping about each other. That's an attractive thing that people want to know more about. Amen? Amen. All right. So verse 5, and it says, When an attempt was made by both uh, Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. So eventually... Persecution gets so bad, their lives are on the line, they're about to be killed, so they move on. And they move on to this area of Lystra and Derby, these two cities kind of jointly uh, together in this in this uh, Roman province of Laconia, which is about 20 miles away, and they continue telling the people the good news. Now, it doesn't say here that they went to a synagogue, maybe because this certain area didn't have one, because you had to have at least 10 Jewish males to have a synagogue. So it might have been a mainly Gentile city. But here's the thing I want you to note about that. Doesn't really matter who they're preaching to is the nature of the conversation stayed the same because wherever they went, as it says here, what did they do? They used the word of God to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we see all through this book. If you've been going through Acts, as they go out, what do they keep doing? They preach the word of God. They preach the gospel. They preach the good news. It's always the same. And that's because as a believer, our mission never changes. Now, we can make it a lot more complicated than that, but you have been given one mission by Jesus Christ, and that is to take the gospel to all ends of the earth. Mark 16, 15 is one of the places where he tells us that. Right? That's it. That's our mission. That's why we're still here on this earth. Otherwise, we would have been beamed up already with him in heaven. But that is why we're here, to take the good news to all ends of the earth. And I want you really to understand this principle, because whoever we're with, whatever we're doing, wherever we're at in this world, that is our mission. It never changes. And it's very important to understand that so we don't make the mistake of making our primary mission in life to convince people of something else. Okay? Like our opinions, or on secondary issues, or even make the mistake of trying to convince somebody of a biblical principle that we know to be right without first and foremost giving them the gospel so they can understand why it's right. All right? Let me give you an example. I can spend all the time in the world trying to convince somebody that abortion is wrong. Okay? Because... It absolutely is. The Bible says so, okay? If you want one place to look to, go to Psalm 139, where it is clearly the point is made that life begins at conception because it's God that knit you together fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb, okay? 
So that's the truth. We know that to be a truth. But I can spend all the time in the world trying to convince somebody, an unbeliever of that truth. But if they do not believe in God, if they don't understand the creator of each of us, they don't believe in him and they don't understand the sanctity of life, knowing how God knits us all together. How we're not just like a bunch of cells, you know, like just that randomly came together. But no, no, no. God has a wonderful plan for each one of you. And he uniquely made each one of us. If they don't understand that, then that conversation is not going to be very fruitful. Okay? Is that thunder? I didn't get struck with lightning, so I didn't say nothing wrong. All right. So (laughs) that was the exclamation point God just gave me. Boom. That mic drop. Okay. Um, but having said that, it won't be a fruitful conversation. Now, it's not, is, is it wrong to be pro-life? Is it wrong to tell others why you are? Is it wrong to vote for pro-life politicians and in political measures or partake in pro-life events? Absolutely not. That's good. Because what you're doing with encouraging this biblical principle to know that we know is right, you're seeking the betterment of this world. All right, whether they know it or not, Following God's word will lead to blessings. So we want to encourage that. But here's the thing. Hopefully, hopefully, it's always with the primary intent of telling them the good news about Jesus. Because otherwise, all right, otherwise, if they don't have the Lord in their life to help them understand his word and the principles we've seen it, the things we know to be true and right, otherwise you're just fighting an uphill battle. I mean, and you just have to look at these guys for it, for a good example, because if you if you if you have done any sort of research on the areas, these these Gentile areas, these pagan areas that they were visiting, there was a whole lot of sin going on in these cities. All right. A whole bunch of debauchery, horrible sexual immorality, horrible, like just like, you know, um, like just thievery in murder, in idolatry, all these things. But do you ever see them go and come with these cities saying, man, you're just such a sinner. You're guilty of this and you're guilty. No, they don't do that, right? What do they do? They come to each city and they do what? They preach the word. They preach the good news. They preach the gospel because they understood that if they go to went to these towns preaching against those things, those other things, those secondary issues, Not that they'd be wrong in saying that they were wrong, but if they went there preaching against those things, they'd just be addressing the symptoms of the problem. And that does no good. They knew that we got to get to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is sin. And the only one that can fix sin, that can save somebody from sin, that can reveal sin to somebody is Jesus. So that's where we start, all right? And if the sin got cured through faith in Jesus, then guess what? Symptoms would take care of themselves. God would help those. Think of it this way. If you have strep throat and you take cough drops, is that going to fix that problem? No. How many of you, maybe you tried that before. It doesn't work. Strep throat's a bacterial infection. The cough drops just to cover over the symptom of it, right? You keep trying to cover up those symptoms long enough, it's just going to keep getting worse. So you got to get some antibiotic or something that kills the bacteria so you address the root of the problem and then the symptoms will go away it's the same with our mission that's why jesus made it really clear just tell people about me just take the gospel to all ends of the earth just share it with everyone that's it and that will lead to the conversations about those secondary issues 
But once, here's the thing. I'm not really good at convincing people what's right or wrong. The Holy Spirit is a way better convictor. When they have the living God of the universe inside of them, I know for me, when I had the living God of the universe inside of me, yeah, it was hard to argue with them. So that's why we want to give them the gospel first and foremost. That's our mission. And we need to make sure, like I said at the very beginning of this, that's the nature of our relationships. It's the nature of our conversations first and foremost with anyone in our lives, our kids, our spouses, our co-workers, our peers in class and in our schools, everything. That's the primary nature of our conversations, okay? If you want to see people get saved, that needs to be the primary nature of our conversations, first and foremost. It goes on in verse 8, and it says, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking or preaching the gospel. And Paul looked in, looked, looking intently at him and seeing that he had the faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet, and he sprang up and began walking. Now, I want you to note, Paul didn't go in here looking to do a miracle, okay? That's not what it says he did first. Again, what did he come here doing? Preaching the gospel, right? That was his intent. I'm coming to this place not to heal a lame guy. I mean, he's open to it, obviously. But no, I came here to tell these people the good news. And that's what he does, first and foremost. Again, that is our first and foremost mission. But sometimes God did miraculous things through him and Barnabas to validate they were speaking on his behalf. Just like we saw back at Iconium. He was doing signs and wonders there. Now he does something miraculous here as well. As there's this man crippled from birth that's there listening to them share about Jesus. And Paul's attention is drawn to him. I would presume by the Holy Spirit or something he saw in him because he understands at some point that this guy isn't just listening to me talk about Jesus. He's believing. And he has the faith to be healed. Maybe the Lord gave him the gift of discernment at that time. Just like, man, you need to challenge this guy. Exhort this guy to get up, all right? And Paul, seeing that in faith, he basically is obedient and he exhorts this guy, get up, stand up. And this man shows faith. I mean... He's been a crippled since birth. He could have been like, wait, well, why are you being so mean to me? I can't walk. No, he shows faith and he gets, leaps up, starts walking for the first time ever. And I want you to note this, okay? Because this is the second principle we're going to talk about. I want you to note how this all started with Paul not ignoring or shunning this man, but rather talking to this person the others in society most likely would have had nothing to do with, all right? Because in that society, to have an infirmity like that, to not be able to, most people wouldn't be able to take care of themselves. They might have had to like beg for a living or whatnot. And people had this, they believed in karma. So they would think that this guy must have sinned really bad to have this infirmity or his parents must have been sinners. So we don't want anything to do with this dirty guy. He's in a sense got what he's deserved. So Paul taking the time, to give this guy his attention when no one else would is what God used to save him. Not only heal him, but save him. And this leads to the second principle I want you to take note of that will help you be successful in sharing the gospel and seeing people believe in Jesus. And that is share it with absolutely everyone. Anyone and everyone. All right? The first principle, our mission's always the same. Second principle, Share the good news with anyone and everyone. Sometimes our unwillingness to take the time 
to give certain people our attention is exactly the thing that is preventing God from using you to do what he wants to do in your life, all right? Maybe we write people off as somehow not deserving of the gospel or not deserving our attention to share it with them because we think, oh, well, that person's obviously made bad decisions. And, you know, their 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 condition that they're going through, it, it, they deserve it. They've brought that upon themselves. You know, they're not deserving of mercy or grace. They're deserving of what they've gotten. Or maybe we look at people and somehow incorrectly think they're inferior to us in some way and, and we don't want to lower ourselves to meet them where they're at, which is such our flesh or the enemy talking because is Jesus like that at all? Because that was me. And if he was like that, none of us would be saved. All right? Because I am inferior to him. I did deserve what I was going to get and that was hell. But despite that, he loved me and showed me grace. And that's the, the, the example we want to follow. I mean, he lowered himself in a way we can never fully fathom in setting aside his rights as God to come and live as a human and die a sinner's death so you and me could be forgiven of our sin and saved. Amen? You know, it's pretty amazing when you read, like, like he, he said, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. That's a whole lot of authority, all right? That's like the whole authority in the whole entire universe was given to Jesus. And you know what he tells us in John ten eighteen that he used that authority to do? He says, I have the authority to lay down my life. I've been given all the authority in the whole entire universe. And guess what? I used it to die for you. You want to know what it looks like to be a leader in God's kingdom? That's what it looks like. And when you're willing to die to yourself and do the same thing to others because we see them and have the same compassion on them that Jesus had on us, guess what? God uses that. He uses it in a mighty way, just like he did through these guys. We got to remember, family, the good news is not just for some people. It is for absolutely everyone. So we need to make sure that we're not picking and choosing that we're making ourselves available to whoever the Lord wants us to talk to, to share him with. Amen? Now, I want you to know, a lot of people in this town probably knew this guy. He, He was a cripple from birth. He's probably older in age. So a lot of people would have seen this guy on the side of the street begging or whatever, and and, and kind of like, they would have been privy to see like, like, wow, look at what this guy was like. Look at what he's like now. I mean, they would have seen that this was truly a miracle. And we're going to see that in their response because it says in verse 11, and when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Laconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker as Hermes was known basically as a messenger of the gods. So that's why they thought he was him because he was doing all the talking. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices, basically to Paul and Barnabas, with the crowds. So here in Lystra and Derby, it would appear that the people that were listening to what Paul and Barnabas were telling them um, weren't getting exactly all of the gospel. Or basically they were hearing the gospel, but they weren't receiving it, judging by their reaction, because it's clear that 
their preconceived ideas of who God is didn't change at all, or gods, because they believed in several different gods. Because basically, they see this miracle happen, and instead of attributing it to the God that, the one God, the one and only true God that, that Paul and Barnabas were talking about, they just say, oh, it must be the gods we worshipped that did this. You know, basically, Zeus and, and Hermes, and and they uh, assumed that they had come down like in human form, which if you guys know Greek mythology, that wouldn't have been an uncommon thing. They thought gods would come down as humans and live amongst them. And so they start worshiping them. I mean, they or they want to worship them. They bring this priest of the temple of Zeus and they want to do sacrifices to them and stuff. And it's a good example for us in how miracles in themselves cannot save people without an explanation on who the true God that's doing it, and then those people believing it, because these people believed in the miracle. But guess what? They attributed it to the wrong God. And so a miracle in itself can't save someone. But it's a great warning for us as well to make sure we don't ever make the mistake of worshiping people in God's place. Now, we might not be in danger of worshiping Zeus or, or Hades or, or some other you know mythological idol or God, but I'll tell you something we can do as Christians. We can worship other Christians or pastors or, you know, people that we see as super spiritual as if it's like somehow they're above us. And that's just not the case. And it's not healthy because what happens is when those people let us down, because inevitably we always will, then it causes us to question our faith, it causes us to lose faith in God when really our focus, if our focus was on God all the time, that's where our worship was directed we wouldn't ever lose our faith because he'll never let us down. Amen? But we're warned of this in several places in Scripture. One of them, Psalm 115.8 says, And those who make idols are just like them, as are all who trust in them. Basically, whatever you worship in this life, whatever you idolize, person, thing, inevitably you will start to become like it. Jesus actually warned us of this too in Matthew 6.21 where he says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If you treasure and idolize the world and the things of it, including people, then you will become more and more like them. And this is where worship becomes very important because here's the thing. You worship things in this world, you will look like them. You worship God, guess who you're going to look like? God. So all our worship needs to be directed at the right place, and that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? Amen. All right. It says in verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard it, they tore their garments. It's something the Jews would do in response to blasphemy, like to like be a sign of inward grief. Like, I can't believe you guys are doing this and rushed out into the crowd crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you or we're just like you guys. We're just people. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain or useless things, these gods that they were talking about, their idols, to a living God or a real God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways or basically do whatever they wanted, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. So, they're quick to stop this. I mean, they're like, don't, what, stop. Don't worship us. We're just like you guys. And, and then they go back to redirecting them to God who they were just talking about as they were sharing the good news. The God we were just talking about, yeah, he's the real God. 
Not these ones that you're worshiping. These are useless gods. But the God we're talking about, he's the real God. And then they start using things that they would understand as Gentiles to help them relate to God. Remember, talking to the Jews, he would use the Old Testament because they should understand. It was talking about the Messiah, about Jesus. But here, he's using things they would understand. He says, this: the God that that made the heaven and the earth, all these things, all this creation, you, the, the creation around you that you enjoy, that you think your God made, no, this God actually made it. The one and only true God is the true creator of all things. He goes on to tell him, you know, the one that um, where he says in past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. In essence, what he's saying is that he allowed you to worship these other things, but he did not leave himself without witness for he did good by giving you rains and it from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And that's, in essence, what he's saying is, you guys have wrongly been giving your worship to these false idols because the one who's really responsible for all the provision in your life, for all the, the produce, all the, the rains, everything that you're thankful for, that's the one and only true God. That's the proof that he's real, all right? And here's the good news. Through faith in Jesus, you can have a relationship with him. You can be saved. You can know him. He's not some distant God that has to come up and down and, and be in humans. No, he's with you all the time. This is who I'm talking about. The, this is where your worship needs to be directed to. Now, I would bet that there were all types of temptation here for Barnabas and Paul as they were being worshipped by people, all right? Because every it feels good when people say things good to you, right? You guys heard me say this a couple of weeks ago. We need to treat compliments like gum. You can chew on it a little bit, but make sure you don't swallow it because that's not good for you. It'll last you for seven years in your stomach. I don't know. But having said that, like, we always want to redirect and understand that, well, if there's anything good in me, it's because of God. We've got to tell ourselves that. Otherwise, we start believing the hype. And it would have been really easy for these guys to think that I, I would say, wow, look at the reaction we're getting. I mean, I know God did this, but I mean, I, I probably had a little bit something to do with it. You know, the way I just shared the gospel was really what put the nail in the coffin. Or, you know, the fact that I, I actually am such a good follower of Jesus is why he's able to do miracles like this, where he healed this guy. You know what? It's probably not healthy that they're worshiping us, but it's giving us a bigger ministry platform. Maybe we can just reach more people this way. You know, they, they could have talked themselves into a bunch of different things, but they don't do any of that, right? I mean, they, they, they don't, they just are quick to say, no, stop. The God we're telling you about, he's the only one that deserves all the glory. And here's the thing. That right there is why God was able to do such powerful things in these guys' lives. Okay? Because they didn't take any credit for any of it. If you want to kill any ministry in your life, you want to make anything that you're trying to do for the Lord unsuccessful, start taking credit for things. All right? Because here's what you got to realize. The great things God is doing in you and wants to do through you, they're only for one purpose. They're to glorify him or basically make it so obvious that it's not you doing it. It's God doing it. So that people like these people say that they have to be speaking the truth. This has to be God's word. We better listen to what they have to say so they can know God too. Amen? Amen. All right. It's a good reminder for us. Verse 18. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifice to them. So even after making it clear to them that, hey, we're not doing this. God is. You need to worship him. They still could barely restrain them from worshiping, which shows me that these people still hadn't given their lives to Christ yet. But 
That'll change next week, but you'll have to come back next week to see it. All right. All right. So as the worship team comes back up here, I just want to close on this. These these two principles we talked about this. Our mission never changes and sharing the gospel with anyone and everyone, because they are so important to grasp. Like I said, in being successful. In our commission to preach the gospel to people and see people get saved. They are such critical things. Let me ask you something because I'm hearing a lot of this. I just want to see. Would you guys say in the last couple of years, you have more opportunities than ever before to talk about Jesus with people or invite them to church or maybe people asking you those questions that kind of lead naturally to Jesus, like those spiritual questions about life and death? Would you, How many of you guys, you raise your hand. How many of you guys would say you have more opportunities in the last two years? Okay, good. All right. I keep hearing that from people. I know that I have. But I keep hearing that from other people. And just so you know, that's exactly what God uses hard things that happen in this world to do. Now, the hard things are the result of sin and the enemy. But here's the thing. What the enemy uses for evil, God uses for good. And God knows that when there's fear, people want something to put faith in. When there's insecurity... When there's a lack of stability, people want something to make them feel secure. They want something to make them feel stable. But here's the problem. Anything in this world will never give them that. We can just look at COVID, for instance. That's just the latest of many things, okay? Oh, just stay home for two weeks. You'll be fine. You'll be stable. You'll be secure. Well, that didn't work. Well, now we need to wear masks all the time. And then you'll be stable. Then you'll be secure. You don't have to be fearful. Didn't work. Now you got to get vaccinated. Didn't work. You cannot find peace. You cannot find stability. You cannot find security in anything except Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one with the power capable of protecting you, doing what he says, keeping all his promises, and as this world gets closer to his return it will continue to get more crazy for that purpose because his desires that none shall perish and all shall come to repentance and then the crazier it gets you're going to have more of those conversations because people are going to be searching to an even greater degree and you guys are the ones that have the answer and so it's important that we get these principles because it is what is going to lead to you being successful in sharing the gospel with them and them receiving it doesn't what matter what my opinion is on politics or mandates. I mean, I'm not saying there's not a place to discuss those things, but they're not my primary mission. My primary mission is to tell them the greatest news they could ever hear. And I don't want to withhold it from anyone. That, that good news is for everyone. And if for some reason you don't feel like you're having a lot of those conversations, it might be one of those two reasons. You know, in this time we have right now where we're going to do worship and we're just going to respond, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because maybe he wants to show you that, you know what, not in a condemning way because God, there's no condemnation in Christ. This isn't to make you feel guilty, but it's for your benefit because the greatest thing you could ever do is tell somebody good news about Jesus. That, that's what you're made for. That's why you're here. You don't want to rob yourself of that. And so... Maybe the Lord would want to reveal, yeah, you talk a lot about these other things, or this is your focus, 
with your friends, with your family, with your, your schoolmates. But I want you to talk about me more because that's really the best thing you could ever talk about with these people because it's what they need more than anything else. I know you're trying to help them, but this is what they need. And I'm telling you, if that's it, that's it. If, if that's your primary focus, if you're looking for those opportunities, almost every conversation can have a roundabout way to go back to God. Like you're looking, you'll see it. God will be bringing you people just like he brought them and he'll do miraculous things in your life just to verify. Yep, Heidi's talking on my behalf. April's talking on my behalf. You better listen up. That's my daughter. And you can be my son or daughter too if you listen to what they say and believe it. That's what God wants to do. That's what he's done all throughout history. That's what he'll do right until he comes back. We're living in the continuation of the book of Acts right now. We just got to make sure our mission, our focus is focused where it should be. And that we're available to anyone and everyone. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray. And uh, we will sing one last song. And I encourage you guys to respond. Just however the Lord leads you. This is a time just for you and him. We don't want to leave here. I say this often, but just because we agree with the word doesn't mean we're doers of it. And we don't want to leave here fooling ourselves thinking that, yeah, I underlined it in my Bible. And, you know, so I'm good in my life. No, we want to let the Lord look at our hearts. We want the Lord to like be able to show us if like, yeah, there's some things you need to change. Not because he's trying to be a, a mean dad, but because we're missing out on part of the blessing of our relationship with him. And he doesn't want us to. That's why we want to experience every bit of that abundant life. So let him reveal those things to you. We'll have our prayer team around the room. If you want prayer for something, come up and get prayer. If you're somebody that has, you, you're just like here and this is just crazy talk. You're like, what? I can know God? I'm like, I came here because somebody invited me and they were going to take me out to lunch after. I don't, yeah, you can know God. There's one God. He made you and he made you to know him. And the reason that you're never satisfied in this life, the reason that you're struggling and you seem to always make bad decisions that lead to things that you don't want to see, it's because you need help. We all need help. We weren't made to not have him as a critical part of our life, the main part of life. Our lives revolve around him so he can help us in all things and lead us in all things. But our sinfulness separated us from him. Our our nature to do the opposite of what he says is good separate us from him but he sent his son to die for you to pay the price for your sin as i talked about through this whole message so that you could be forgiven of your sin and restored to him and have him in your life from that point on all the way into eternity forever amen and you can make that choice today it doesn't matter how you came here you can leave here as a child of god through receiving that gift through calling out to god Admitting to him that you are a sinner, you're not perfect, and you need him to save you. And he will. And you can come up and talk to somebody on the prayer wall, and we will lead you in a prayer to do that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for making our mission so easy. Lord, you gave us one direction, and that is toward you and telling people about you as we go toward you. And and, and you enable us, just like we see here. It's by your power to do that 
We don't. We we aren't bringing anything to the table. We're the weak and foolish things the Bible talks about. But Lord, if we're willing to just share what you've already shown us, then you work through that, so that other people can know you as well. And we just want to be faithful to do that. Help us not get sidetracked by the other things that are so easy to get sidetracked by. That at the end of the day, they don't really matter. They don't nowhere near as matter as the good news. Because we're so thankful that we've received it and we have you in our life to show us truth from deception in this world. We are thankful we have the Holy Spirit to lead us into good things from bad things. To show us what's right compared to what's evil. The world that doesn't have you doesn't have that. And that's what we want to give them. So they can have that same guidance that we have. And I know you want to use the people in this church to do that in this community. Because there's a whole lot of darkness out there, Lord. A whole lot of lost people. We're here for a time such as this. To be used by you. To be your witnesses. Until every last person is saved. So empower us by your spirit to do that, Lord.